Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. He's Ray Dinger. I'm Glenn Mack now, 94 WIP, 11 o'clock hour, and that means it's time for our Scheib Sports. This moment in Philadelphia sports history. And, Ray, this is an interesting one because you you lived through this. This is when I'm a kid living up in Buffalo, New York, not really understanding the magnitude uh, magnitude of this. I remember probably reading about it in the paper when two big-time pitchers get traded for each other but not knowing what it meant. By the way, best caller of the day wins a $50 gift card to Scheib Sports where there's a story in every stitch. Visit them in Center City or at ScheibSports.com. Best call. Well, I said that. Best caller gets that. Um, okay, Ray. 50, it was 50 years ago yesterday. We don't usually dig this far back into the archives, um, but this is one that is of such magnitude that I wanted to do it. It was a trade that I would tell you is the greatest trade in the history of Philadelphia. We'll uh, review that in a moment. The Phillies trade Rick Wise, pretty damn good pitcher for Steve Carlton. I'm going to have you break it down, but before that, let us go back years later the 1980 World Series, lefty on the mound. Looking at Steve, of course, 24-9 on the year, probably the Cy Young Award winner in the National League this year. They are really up. Struck him out ten times out on strikes, Willie Wilson. Struck him out. Bouncing ball, trio to his right, has it in time. So it's three up, three down for the Kansas City Royals, bottom of the first. God, Ray, you were probably uh, – you were there, right? You had to be there. Sure was. There you were. Um, so when – so February 25th, 1972, two star pitchers get traded for each other as the Phillies send Rick Wise to the St. Louis Cardinals for Steve Carlton. Both of those guys were in contract disputes with their team. By the way, both of those guys were asking for a raise to $65,000. <laughs> You know, that's an inning. Um, and I was, I again, I didn't grow up here. I didn't know. The reaction at that time was not all that positive, eh? Uh, it was no, it was, it was largely negative. Um, of course, we didn't have we didn't have sports talk radio then, so we didn't have um, a lot of what we had have today, which is people just calling up and screaming and hollering and that kind of stuff. You had, you basically had the man on the street, people on the subway talking. And you had your newspaper writers, and, and you had your columnists weighing in on what they thought of the trade, like it or not like it. And it was largely unpopular. It was largely unpopular because Rick Wise, Rick Wise was a very popular guy in town. Uh, he had been part of the 64 Phillies. Uh, he was a teenager on that team. 
uh, 18 years old on that team. Wow. Uh, and then stayed with the team. And so was one of the he may have been the last he may have been the last surviving member of the 64 Phillies by by that point, 71, 72. I think he probably was, actually. But uh, it was coming off a really good year. I mean, he had won 17 games, which is a lot uh, for a bad team, uh, had a 2.88 ERA, which was really good. Uh, and of course, he had that really, truly historic game in Cincinnati where he pitched a no hitter and hit two home runs. Uh, that all had happened the previous year. So, I mean, he was on a team that wasn't particularly great. Um, he was the one guy you kind of had to root for at that time. And so people really liked him. And when the news came and it was a bit of a surprise, everybody knew there was a contractual issue, but everybody kind of thought, oh, they'll work this out. So when the news came that John Quinn, the general manager had traded Rick Wise to St. Louis for Steve Carlton. Yeah. People didn't like it. They really didn't like it. And this was despite Carlton had won 20 games his final season in St. Louis, so he wasn't exactly an unknown. You, you were trading a star for a star, right? Right. Um, and, and that's fine. It's just that Philly had a loyalty and knew this guy. And, and back then, you didn't get to see guys in other cities. You didn't know what they were. You didn't know how good Carlton could be, I imagine. By the way, Rick Wise went on to win 113 more games yes. in, his, in his career. Oh, he, he won pitched, a game in the pitched, 1975 World Series. Right, he pitched, he pitched well in St. Louis, and he pitched even better in Boston. Right, he was, he was certainly no chump whatsoever. On the other hand, the Phillies got a guy who you could argue is the best left-handed pitcher in baseball, and the year he came over, I'm guessing that people who didn't like the trade initially kind of liked it when he won 27 games for the last-place team. Yeah, they did. Didn't take long? No, no. It was um, – um, once the season started, Carlton was just magical. You know, on, on a team that was abominably, abominably bad, uh, I mean, he was great. Uh, he was uh, – it was absolutely great. I mean, we, we throw the word great around far too easily these days. But he was – that season, 72, he was great. I mean, capital G, great. One of the greatest seasons any pitcher has ever had in, in the history of baseball. Yeah, yeah, I mean, won 27 games for a last-place team. Yeah. Um, you know, the, I mean, the stats are just staggering. I mean, 198 had, ERA, 310 innings, 31 complete games, or 30 complete 30 games. 30 complete yeah. games and 41 stars. Started yeah. 41 games and completed 30 of them. I yeah. mean, think of that. And and they used to say, I guess it was uh, Larry Bow who said, when he pitches, it is win day. Win day, yeah. Uh, I, I thought that... And watching him pitch, it was just the team. The funny thing was, it was it was just so odd because every other day when that when they played, if it wasn't Carlton pitching, they were like the worst team in baseball. They were they were awful. They were unwatchable. But if if you said, oh, "Who's is Carlton pitching tonight?" I'm watching because he was that good. I mean, he was he was that good. I mean, he totally commanded everything that happened. And it didn't matter who he was playing. It didn't matter if it was a good team or a bad team. It it was just it was Carlton. It, Carlton had the ball. We we're going to win. There wasn't any question about that. And I, I remember Rich Ashburn had one of the great comments that I've, you know, and Whitey was, was great all the time. But he, he had a, I remember listening one night, and he made the, the observation that I thought, wow, that's really, that is so well said. Whitey said, Steve Carlton doesn't pitch games. He paints them. He said, and every, mm. pitch is, every pitch is a stroke, a different stroke, and every stroke is a masterpiece. That's nice. That's nice. I thought that was. I thought what a great description because watching Carlton pitch for 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 really the whole of his career. I mean, he yeah. was he was that good. But that particular year, seventy two, my goodness, I never. I we had in Philadelphia, we had never seen anything like that. 
So when the late, great Big Daddy Graham and I wrote our, rewrote our book, The Great Book of Philadelphia Sports Lists, uh, a couple of years ago, we did the top 10 trades in Philadelphia sports history, and it's particularly germane today because we hope that the trade that the Sixers made now may eventually get added to this list. But let me give you some of the ones I had on here. I want to do it quickly because I know a lot of people are on hold, but just give me your, uh, your snapshot of it when I give it to you, okay? Okay. That we had is number one. Number two, we had the Flyers get Bernie Perrant from the Maple Leafs for Doug Favelle and a future first-round pick. Yeah, obviously that, got, that brought your two cups. Yeah. You know, and, you know, and Bernie had been here. He was an original flyer, got traded away, and then this was the trade that brought him back. And, yeah, that was the key to winning the two Stanley Cups. Number three, we have that the Sixers send out Caldwell Jones and a first-round pick in 1982 and get Moses Malone. Last piece. You know, yeah. that was, I mean, they had put together that team in the late 70s that had a lot of really good players, really good players, Doc, Doug Collins, all those guys. But they needed that big man in the middle. And uh, Caldwell Jones was a very good player. But Moses Malone was Moses Malone. And he came in and made the Sixers a championship team. Yeah. Um, right. And that's the last championship that this franchise won. Uh, number four, the Flyers send Larry Wright, Al McAdam, and Ron Chipperfield for Reggie Leach, who, uh, you know, would come here and score 60 goals. Yeah, yeah, and there was uh, and reuniting reuniting Reggie Leach with his uh, former uh, junior teammate Bobby Clark. They yep. had played together in Flint Flon, and uh, you know Reggie had had uh, it was, you know was everybody knew he was a talented guy, but he had really underachieved and had problems off the ice and was considered a bad actor. And Bobby Clark told the Flyers, "If you can get Reggie, get him, and you know I can work with him. We we'll played together, and we can win together." And they brought Reggie Leach in, and and man. <laughs> Uh, that was that was really something. I still remember that playoff, that that postseason playoff when Sixers, the Flyers didn't win the series, but they didn't win the playoffs. But he was the MVP because he was just so dominant. Nineteen Had goals in the postseason. Nineteen post goals that year. All right. Uh, real quickly, number five, uh, the Sixers send a Clippers world. Well, he was Lloyd Free at the time, and get a future first round pick, which didn't pay off for six years. But when it paid off, it was Charles Barkley. Right. Uh, number six, the Phillies send Travis Darno, Kyle Drabeck, and Michael Taylor to the Blue Jays for Roy Halladay. Yeah, pretty good. That was pretty good. Although that one was weird because they traded Cliff Lee that same day, which made everybody upset. And remember, there was the oh, we can't trade Kyle Drabeck. Oh my God. Yeah, the, yeah, the, the yeah, yeah. He's, he's the best pitcher on our farm system. That that'll just show you that 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 idea of quote unquote prospects sometimes they never pan out. Uh, and I'll just do one more uh, because this was your pal, tight uh, tight end Charlie Young. Charles Young gets traded to the Rams for Ron Jaworski. Yeah, and that was that was almost like a wise Carlton trade because it was two guys that were in the middle of a contract dispute, and so the the Rams and the Eagles just said, "Look, I'll take your problem, you take mine." And uh, Charlie Young went out to the Rams, didn't play much with the Rams, but then went to the 49ers and won a Super Bowl. And of course, Ron Jaworski came here and led the Eagles to their first Super Bowl. I would throw one more in there. And that was the trade that the Flyers made when they traded Mike uh, Mike Walton and a draft pick to the Boston Bruins for the rights to Ricky McLeish. Shaky Walton. Yep. Mike well, Shakey we also, Walton. I mean, we we did a ten deep, and we had the the trade that brought Leclerc and Desjardins here for the Flyers. That was right. a pretty darn good one. Right. Uh, okay. And we hope when I rewrite, well, I can't rewrite this book because I've lost Big Daddy, but uh, maybe I'll just do an addendum at some point and add the James Harden trade for uh, Ben Simmons. No, I think it, I think it belongs on there. Oh yeah. Uh, Mike and Yardley wants to talk about uh, Harden's role on uh, impact on some of the role players. Go ahead, Mike. Hey, how are you guys doing today? It's a brilliant, wonderful blue day, but last night was really something else. It's so good to see basketball played well and to see the Sixers doing that. It's 
it was really inspiring. And that's why I wanted to what I wanted to talk about because Glenn, you mentioned how much Harden seemed to uh, help the productivity of the role players, but I also felt that he really, you know, his presence seemed to inspire them to to play even better than just their ordinary output. The impact, I think, is really hard to measure. I can't wait to see more games. And it's uh, it's just really wonderful. Listen, last night they were on a high, right? Oh, you got it. Last (laughs) night they were on a high, and 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 I don't think every game is they're gonna they're gonna quite have that energy. But I, there's no reason to believe that this team has not improved a couple of notches and is a is a real contender, not just a team that's going to make it to the second round, maybe make the third. This is a team that's a real contender. Yeah, Yeah, uh, you know, guys like Corkmoss and. uh, what's his name? Niang. They're hitting threes. Let's. Uh... Uh, I'd, I'd slow my roll on. That. Yeah, I know. But <laughs> they, uh... No, I think I, Mike. I think I think the point that Mike's making here uh, is that these guys saw very quickly that if they work to get open, um, Harden is going to get them the ball and they'll have a chance to score. Yeah. Okay. You know, yeah, guys. Don't, guys, you know, if you're on the floor with Harden, you don't stand around. If you're on the floor with him, you're working to get open, you're working to get a shot, because if you get the shot, he sees the floor well enough that he's going to get you the ball and give you better opportunities. I think it lifts. It's not just a matter of, oh, we're on the floor with a terrific player, we got a chance to win. It's, it's how his game can impact your game. And I think it does. I think it, I think it helps everybody. I think that's a fair point. Uh, Jeff and Glenn's side, I think, wants to actually speak to something related to that. Hi, Jeff. <laughs> Good morning, gentlemen. It's an honor to be on this call. I look forward to my Saturday 90-minute uh, Coffee trips, where I try to explain to my wife why I'm gone for a cup of coffee. But, uh, <laughs> well, thank you. Hey, thank real, you. Thanks, real quick, real quick, yeah, not a problem. Real quick, Glenn. Yeah, hopefully you had this trade 43 years ago. Philly's got Manny Trio and Greg Gross for a little bit from the Cubs, so um, that was a nice trade in Philadelphia uh, sports history as well. Um, Ray, who they get Manny Trio uh, and Greg Gross for? You remember, Ray? I, you know, I forget. I think it was uh, um, a cup of coffee, but I, I don't think it was uh, a lot. But uh, okay. those two were very instrumental in their World Series. Yeah. Uh, victories. Yeah, Manny, well, Manny, Manny was MVP of the championship series. I love, I've got, I love Tree. I miss him. Uh, hey, real quick, last night. So I, I, I try not to get too too overzealous when I see things, but what I saw last night that immediately jumped out at me, and Ray, you, you just touched on it, was the spacing. When Harden's on the floor, it just looked like everybody was wide open. Um, and that that's great. And it's also going to be tough because guys are going to have to hit their shots. And guys like Tobias Harris, Matisse Thibault, those guys are going to be wide open all the time. And I was a little concerned that Tobias didn't step up last night, so I really hope that now having Harden when he's on the floor, he's going to have to hit these shots. He's really going to need to nail them. Thibault's not a good shooter, but he's going to be wide open too. And these guys are just going to have to be prepared. And if they can hit their shots consistently, they're, they're going to be tough. They're going to be a tough act because Harden just – changes the entire dynamic mm-hmm. of the court he just sees everybody and he just it's you can't you got to double him and he just sees the court tremendously and and guys like i said they're going to be wide open to hit yep. shots yep you know part of this whole thing by the way let me give you that trade uh the phillies trio trade the phillies because uh, you remember these guys better than i do the phillies got uh greg gross manny trio and dave Rader. Mm-hmm. 
I don't remember Dave Rader. He was a utility guy. Caught okay. a little bit and could play a couple positions. For Derek Botello, was a pitcher? Yep. Barry Foote, the catcher. Jerry Martin, who mostly is remembered because he, he wasn't in the game. Yeah, he's basically a when defensive Lizinski outfielder. Won. And Ted Sizemore. And if my memory is correct, you may have once told me that Ted Sizemore was among the more miserable guys you ever met. Yeah, he fit right into that clubhouse. Yeah, yeah I, I, remember, right I remember you told me that. Cra- crabby, crabby character. And Barry Foote, Barry Foote, too. Barry Foote threw a chair at me once. What? That's, that's probably the most notable thing he did in his time with the Phillies. How did I not read this in your book of memoirs? Uh, that just seemed sort of pointless. I mean, who cares about Barry Foote? Well, I think we care about this. Let's see. Go ahead. Oh, no, no. That's just, it's, that's just what, that is what it is. Can you set it up a little bit? Like, what did you write? What did he say? No, I, I wrote nothing about Barry Foote. There's no reason to write anything about Barry Foote. But Barry Foote was sort of that, you know, he was sort of the bottom of the roster guy that was looking to validate himself in the clubhouse and to, you know, to ingratiate himself with the other veteran players who hated the media. So he, with no real reason to hate the media, but because he wanted to be in with the other guys, um, you know, was, was sort of a jerk generally. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was walking through the clubhouse. It was, in, it was in St. Louis, and it was after a game, and I'm just walking through the clubhouse. I had finished my business, and I was heading towards the door to head to the elevator to go upstairs. And all of a sudden, a metal folding chair slams into the wall. Right Holy cow. Right, right, right in front of me. I mean, he made sure that he wasn't going to hit me, but he threw it so that it hit the wall in front of me. Uh, and oh, so uh, he did it for sport, as opposed to as in a reaction to something you had written. No, he just, no, it's he just, just it was just. It yeah, fun. I mean, here, here's here's one of these here's one of these you know writers, quote unquote, that were persona non grata in the clubhouse, and oh, he's the last one here today. So you know, I'm going to do this because the other guys are here and they're going to see it and they're going to think it's funny. And so he threw it up against the wall and it banged into the wall right in front of me. And then he then he and then he just sort of went, oh, <laughs> oh I guess I didn't see you there. <laughs> So yeah, that made him a big guy with his teammates for the for the bus ride at the airport. <laughs> I, can tell you, I know you did not enjoy telling that story, hmm? but hmm? I can tell you that our listeners enjoyed hearing that story. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure they're going to run right out and tell their neighbor. Boy, did you hear that story about Barry Foot? <laughs> uh, well, you you, you discount right. That, that's the slice of life that people don't really get to get to get to get to hear. No, Barry, you lived all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, and. I, <laughs> And, and, and are was, glad you don't have yeah, to do no, it I'm again. Glad I don't, I'm glad I don't have to do it ever again. But Barry Barry Foot gave new meaning to the term footnote because he was a footnote in Philly's history. Oh, Ray, I hope you got to write that at least once in your life. No, I just thought of it now. I missed my <laughs> opportunity. I'm afraid. Uh, you up to a Steve Carlton question? Oh, sure. All right, Anthony and Doylestown's got one. Anthony, hey. there. Got it. Hey guys, hey. Thanks for taking my call, right? Pleasure, pleasure to talk to you. Hi, Anthony. Um, I, I, I remember vividly that 72 season. Um, I was just 15 years old. I lived in South Philly about a mile from the stadium. I was down there every night. And I just remember Carlton, what, how nasty his, fast, his curveball was. I mean, we would sneak behind the home plate where the wives would be sitting, and he would have a curveball that would start out at 12 o'clock, and by the time the opposing batter was hitting – it would be at six o'clock in McCarver's glove. Who McCarver was, I believe, his personal catcher that year. He was, and also, also, um, I believe the season was shortened by two weeks because of a strike, which he could have probably won thirty games. Correct. And he won fifteen games in a row that year. I don't know, Ray, if you can comment on that, but it was just an unbelievable year. Yeah, it was. It was. It was. It was really unbelievable. And and 
Um, and each each game was a new chapter in the story. And just you know, he said, "Oh, he can't keep this up. He can't keep this up. He can't keep this up." And he did. And you know, I mean, you said 15 wins in a row. I I didn't know that number off the top of my head, but that sounds about right. I mean, he went he went like two months without losing a game. Uh, and 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 every game he pitched, I mean, he 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 started it and he finished it. Uh, it was it was just amazing. And you talk about his curveball. His real out pitch was the slider. I mean, he had a he had a really good fastball and he had a curveball, but his out pitch was the slider. I mean, his slider, for the bulk of his career, but that year in particular, was absolutely unhittable for left-handed hitters. Left-handed hitters had no chance against this slider. I mean, it was it was just really an awesome thing to watch. And every time, and every time he pitched. Um, you always felt when you went to the ballpark you had a chance to see a no-hit game. That's, that's one of the things that's missing in baseball now is the way baseball is played now. Starting pitchers, heck, starting pitchers can have a no-hitter in the eighth inning and they take him wow. out Eight? because they hit the pitch count. Yeah. But, uh, but with a guy like Carlton, if, if, he's pit, you know, if, if you're looking at papers, hey, Carlton's pitching tonight, I'm going. Because you know what? You buy a ticket, you, have a, you, felt, you went up to the ballpark, you felt you had a good chance to see a no-hit game. Certainly a great game and maybe a historic game. That kind of day is gone now because those kinds of pitchers aren't around anymore. 215-592-9494. He's Ray Dinger. I'm Glenn Mack. Now, a lot of talk today about the Sixers, a lot of excitement over James Harden's debut in the lineup yesterday as they just go into Minneapolis and crush um, and just look great. Uh, and we want to share that excitement with you. It's been a while since we've been uh, had this much fun watching a team, so we'll talk about that. We're going to work a little football into the next segment as well. He's Ray Didinger. I'm Glenn Mack now on 94 WIP. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Ray Danger, Glenn Mack, now 94 WFP. 
we're, we normally do what we're watching at this time, and we appreciate how uh, loyal people are to it and listen for it. <clears throat> Excuse me, we're putting it off until tomorrow. Uh, the segment is, of course, sponsored by Guided Door and Window. Take advantage of Guided Door and Windows' big winter sale through February. Receive 40% off all windows and doors. Call 1-877-GO-GUIDER or visit them at goguida.com. Ray, I'll just give you a preview. I am uh, I started watching the documentary, We Have to Talk About Bill Cosby on Showtime. Mm-hmm. Really powerful stuff. And uh, as I said, we'll we'll get to that tomorrow. Let me, let me take one call, and then, Ray, I want to talk a little, um, a little football. Okay. Stuff's going to happen in the NFL. D in Virginia, what are you thinking? Uh, hello, D. You there? D is yes, hello, guys. not there. Oh, D was there. Call us back, D. We'll get you on, but you got to be ready. Matt in New Holland. What are you thinking, Matt? How's it going, guys? Appreciate right. you guys. And it's, it's, an, it's an honor to be on here and uh, – I appreciate. I'm in. I'm only in my 20s. So I appreciate all the wisdom and all the stories on here. It's like reading a book every Saturday morning. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Matt. I appreciate your, it. <laughs> your voice makes you sound like a more mature man than your 20s. Oh well, I don't know about that. But, okay. Um, I I just want to say, last night was um one of the most exciting times as a Sixers fan for me because. I didn't really follow basketball that closely back, you know, even in the Iverson days, I was, um, don't remember, you know, back in the old days, of course, but it was just, you know, everybody just needs to soak this in, be happy because last night was over what I expected. There was a lot of people yesterday that seemed, you know, a little worried, kind of scared what's going to happen, but it was just a thrill to watch. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and that's what, you know, and Matt, that's what I would say for people. And I think that's the point that Glenn and I have tried to make today is don't don't overthink it. You know, don't over project it. Just enjoy it. You know, just enjoy it. I mean, enjoy last night for what it was. I mean, it was a fun basketball game with a lot with a lot of really cool plays. And, you know, you kind of sit back and say, wow, where could this be going? But, you know, don't don't overthink the thing. Just I think that they've got a really good team. I think they do have a chance to go pretty far, but you know, don't don't worry about it. Just sit back and enjoy it for what it is, because right now it's pretty good. Yeah, and it reminded me. Um, it, you actually mentioned it of the NFC Championship game. Like after they got on a roll there, it was you could just sit back and have a good time with your friends and and enjoy the the whooping. Yep. yep. Yeah. Yeah. They, I mean, they just blew that team out last night. They, they just. Uh, and as you said, we said at the beginning, I mean, Minnesota's not a great team. They're not going to the finals at all. But, I mean, they're not bad. I mean, they're they're, they're over 500 team, and they were playing at home. Um, and I've seen them give teams trouble in that building. And the Sixers just just blew them out. I mean, just blew them out. I mean, that was a 30-point win that looked every bit of it. It looked worse, actually. And it was it was just fun to watch the Sixers execute that way. And it was fun to watch them have fun. You know, I mean, you got the sense just looking at the bench and looking at the way the players were reacting and, you know, seeing a couple of the hugs and the chest bumps that Harden and, and Embiid exchanged, they were a team that was out there having a good time. There's nothing wrong as a fan of having a good time with them. Yeah, and I never, I never bought the process at all. So this is like, I'm really looking forward to this era, and uh, I just, I appreciate you guys. You guys have a good weekend. How old are you, Matt? I'm 27. 27. Okay. So this is the first really good team you've, we believe, really good team you've seen, right? Yeah, because I was I never bought the process and watching with Ben, you were never 
you could never just sit back and relax and watch things unfold because yeah. you were always scared of what's going to happen. He's not going to shoot and all that, and teams are going to take advantage of it. Yeah, and, yeah you were, was... and, and you were too young to enjoy the best of Iverson. So, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, if he's twenty-seven, when in in one he was four, five. Right. Yeah, I mean, you forget how long Iverson was. I mean, how long ago Iverson was? You know, Ray. Oh, I know. But that was, I mean, if you're 20, if you're 25 to 30 something years old, you've never really seen the Sixers as a top, top flight team. No. Yeah. And, and I really do feel for those people who kind of came of age suffering through all those years of tanking. Right. Right. So now, now, you know, good for them. They get to watch something good. All right, I got to get some football in here. I wanted to work in um, some stuff. So the combine uh, is in whatever three days. It begins I think. this week. Yeah, yeah, begins this week, and then free agency begins on March sixteenth. A lot of teams have are going to have to do work between now and then to get under the cap. And I just want to run a couple, couple of thoughts by you, or a couple of issues by you. Get your thoughts on them. The first domino that's likely going to happen, I think, is Aaron Rodgers, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and all the kind of chaos he is creating uh, he did not retire this last week you saw that cryptic instagram post that he put up there right they had that 12-day cleanse and then he kind of i don't know when he became such a weirdo but boy he just seems like he became a weirdo um this is a guy who was going to be hosting jeopardy a couple months ago and now it's like i i don't think i'd invite him into my house yeah i mean he, he can't stay in a relationship i mean he's had he's had you know he just broke up with his latest girlfriend who yeah and he had only been with his he had, he had only been with uh danica patrick for less than a year i mean he just can't stay in a relationship he's, he's estranged from his family um yeah his teammates which his, is really odd, which right. is really weird if you read in, any of that stuff and you know his teammates don't like him i mean he's you know he's uh he, he's a strange dude i mean it's i mean he's a uh, you know, I mean, it, 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 clearly he's a narcissist, but but in, in a, you can live with some of them and you can't live with others, and apparently he's one of the ones you can't live with. Well, unless you're the Packers, who've lived with him for a long time and, and gotten a great career. Any insight? What do you think his decision's going to be? I think he stays. You think he stays? Okay. Well, I think a lot of I it think has I, to, I, I think I generally agree. I think, I think a lot of it has to do with uh, Devontae Adams. Yeah, but that's not going to – I mean, I don't know that you can just settle Devontae Adams before before that. I guess you can, right? You can just wait. All right. So that's going to be the first thing. And then the next thing is going to kind of be, is Seattle going to get the offer at once for Russell Wilson? Mm-hmm. You think he moves? Where do you think he moves? I think he stays, too. You think he stays, too? Okay. All right. Um, Derek Carr going to stay with Vegas? I think he might move because really? there's, there's a lot of change there. Mm-hmm. You know the new coach, yeah, new true. general manager. They're change, They're they're turning over that whole operation out there. Uh, and the thing is, Derek Carr has some value. I think I think he's actually a little underrated. I like I him too. better than most people. I think he's I think he's a pretty good quarterback. Mm-hmm. But you probably could get him cheaper than you could get, say, Russell Wilson. So that's why I think he's more likely. I think he's more likely to move. Okay. Uh, and then the next thing we're going to be watching is what's going to end up with happening with Carson Wentz. Um, Teams have to decide if they're going to start releasing guys, and he is somebody, if they cut bait with him, they save $15 million. It's very clear from everything they have said from the owner on down that they do not consider him their future. And I think, by the way, that all happened. Yeah, Yeah, I think that all began when he chose not to have the vaccine, and you you remember when Earsay came out and basically said it was selfish. Right. 
Uh, so I think that's when all that began. And, and and he had he had a pretty good. You know the thing about him, when he was good, he was very good. Sure was. And when he made mistakes, they were just ungodly awful. That last game against Jacksonville, a couple of the interceptions he threw over the year. Mm-hmm. When he was bad, he was really bad. So. What happens to him? Do you think – well, I'll, I'll ask his two part. Do you think they'll be able to trade him? Depending on what they're asking for. Um, I mean, if I they're they asking – mostly want somebody to just take him. Yeah. Um, I mean, if, if somebody gives you – you know, somebody offers you a third-round draft pick, you'd probably take it, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, to me, it's the money. It's, it's, it's the salary. Right. It's, but it, it depends on – remember, the salary cap is going up this year. So teams are going to – you know, teams aren't going to be quite as up against it as they were last year. There's, okay. there's more money. So teams aren't going to be, or at least they shouldn't be, as cap-strapped as they were a year ago. So they'll be that. Um, largely, it's just, at this point, it's an organizational decision of how much, you know, how much of a headache is this guy going to be? And um, at this point in his career, how good is he? How much, how much can he help us? I mean, you know, he's going to be 30 this year. I mean, yeah, he's, not, no. he's, he's not a he's kid. He's no longer he's, he's that a, young potential. Yeah, he's not a kid anymore. No. You know, I mean, he. I mean, he might be. He might be stepping into Gus Ferrat territory. You know, where he's, two. <laughs> where, he's, where he's one of those. Where he's one of those yeah. kind of guys. You know. All right, two potential landing spots. Uh, Steelers. Yeah, they're certainly looking for a quarterback. I don't think Mason Rudolph's the guy. Nope. Okay. And I certainly don't think Dwayne Haskins is the guy. So they. Right. I mean, they're. You know, they're they're looking for a quarterback right now. Would he fit? We always used to say he was like a young Roethlisberger. Yeah that that was that was the comparison that was made. I don't know. You know, I think that the Steelers, I mean, there's a, there's a strong sentiment in Pittsburgh, not that the fans make the draft picks, or, nor should they, but there's a strong sentiment in Pittsburgh that the Steelers ought to just draft Kenny Pickett mm-hmm. and just, you know, the kid from Pitt who had a great season. And I think, and I think most people kind of agree, he's the best quarterback in this crop. You know, let's draft him and just build, and just build with him. But, you know, the Steelers aren't used to taking that big step back to take the step forward. They want to stay relevant. Sure. And, you know, can you do that with a rookie quarterback? I don't know. You know, I, I don't know. I've, I've, thought about, I've thought about Pittsburgh as a possible landing spot for Wentz. Okay. The other place is the, the commies. Right. Right. What do you think about that? Um, how would you feel about having Carson Wentz back in the NFC East? I think it would be great for us. Yeah, it would certainly give us something to talk about. <laughs> if, people, if people think we talk about Wentz too much now, just wait. Yeah, well, we've seen. Uh, we've seen. I, I think he's ultimately seen... a heartbreaker. Listen, I was a huge fan of his, a longtime supporter. I hung in with him for a long time. Yeah, long so did time. I. Say, listen, we both did. Yeah, but I don't. You know, I don't think he's. I think ultimately he's gonna he's gonna disappoint. All right. One other thing I do want to ask you about. Then we'll get back to the phones. Uh, in talking about the, I read an article in the Athletic about um, kind of looked at each team and who may be a cap casualty. And when it mentioned Dallas, it said Amari Cooper, who's got a Cap hit of $22 million this year. Holy moly. Um, but if they cut him before June 1st, they'll save $16 million bucks. Mm-hmm. He's not he, – he was not particularly productive last year. He's 20th in league of receptions. He's 30th in yards. Uh, if they release him, we know the Eagles need wide receivers. Do you have any interest? No, not really. He's a little really? too high maintenance for me. Well, that's wide receivers. Yeah, uh, I know. I know. Um, he's he's kind of an in and outer, and and listen, he's had big games against the Eagles too. I mean, he, he has, and I've seen him play well against the Eagles. But he's just he's a guy that always there's always seems to be a a, a cloud following him, you know. And uh, I just don't know with this with this team, 
This, this is a young Eagles team that's trying to build a new kind of identity and a new kind of chemistry. And I don't know that a, a veteran guy with his kind of history is exactly what you're looking for. I mean, I, I definitely think they need – I think they need a veteran – a good veteran receiver to round out that offense. You know, somebody other than Smith. Smith, you're, you're set with Smith, and you're set at the tight end position. But that other receiver position, and I think Quiz can be your slot guy, but that other wide receiver position, I think it would help to have um, a, a veteran guy in there that could step in. And, I, you know, I would, be more, I, would, I would be more inclined to look at a Mike Williams, say, from the, from the Chargers, mm-hmm. or, a, or a Chris Godwin if he's – if he's gettable, and depending on what the doctors tell you about his knee surgery, I, I would prefer that kind of guy than a guy like Amari Cooper, who always seems to have a kind of some kind of a complaint, and always he's always chronically unhappy with his contract. Okay, well, tomorrow will be the uh, second edition of the Ray Dinger Draft Preview, so I'm yes. looking forward to that. So I will I will give you a little preview of of issues that people will be talking about. What will be the, what will be the hot button topics from the combine? What what will be the the annual debates about the um, you know, whose hands aren't big enough, who doesn't oh, jump high yeah, enough. Oh, yeah, I love that stuff, right. And, yeah, yeah. All, all of those little subplots you're yeah. going to start hearing He's about this. He's not good on the, on, the, on the cone drill, so right. let's not draft So him. I'm going to give you a little preview of that. Looking forward to it. Uh, D in Virginia, I think, has a working phone at this point. Hi, D. Hey, how's it going, gentlemen? Right. Good morning. How are you? How are you? Hey, yeah, I just want to say, you know, I, I wasn't a big James Harden guy, you know, I kind of like the old NBA like you guys were talking about. But things changed. Just wasn't a big fan of his game. But I'm I'm coming around on him because on this team, we we got guys who, you know, don't need the pressure of making plays. They just need to be able to play. And Harden, you know, gives us that chance. You got him and Joel, you know, who can get their own shot and make baskets. So, no, as a facilitator, open up the floor for his teammates. You know, I'm I'm coming around on him, and I appreciate it. Yeah, he's a mercenary. So, let's just see what we got. Enjoy the year and see where it goes. And um, you, you guys talked about the Steve Carlton thing, and immediately, you know, flashback to me, you know memory lane. And I remember my granddad and the neighbor across the street, you know, 72, 73 summers, yelling back and forth like, "Who's pitching tonight?" Carlton. Carlton's on the mound, and they're out there listening to the radio. If Carlton ain't pitching, then the game's not even on. Exactly right. <laughs> exactly right, D. Yeah. If Carl, if if Carlton was pitching, everybody watched or everybody listened. If Carlton wasn't pitching, you didn't even think of turning it on. I mean, that's right. really that's really what the summer of 72 was. That's what it was. And just sitting there listening to him rant about how much he hated Willie Montanez. You know, I, I remember that. You know? <laughs> Good talking to you guys. Good. All right, thank you. Why did he hate Willie Montanez? Um, I, I don't know. I didn't okay. know that he did. I mean, Willie was, uh, you know, Willie was a hot dog. I mean, Willie was a major hot dog. Could might have been, might have been, might have been the biggest hot dog to ever wear a Phillies uniform. In, yeah. ter- in, term- in terms of just being a showboat. Yeah. And, and maybe, you know, maybe left to his old school. Uh, Willie could field, right? He, he was a great be, fielder. I yeah, mean, but, that, I but you know, but I mean, he did he did a lot of you know he did a lot of you know flipping the glove and you know you know catching pop ups and snapping the mitt and that kind of thing. And it it never got in the way of his performance. I mean, he was a he was a fabulous fielder. I mean, he was a great defensive first baseman. But maybe you know Carlton might have just been a little old school that it just he just didn't like that style of baseball. Mm-hmm. You know, Steve didn't share his thoughts with us all that much. No, know. I'm aware that uh, for a period of years you got nothing out of him. So yeah, not in '72. In '72 he he talked endlessly, but in '73 yeah. he decided after the '73 season he decided that he you know he didn't like Bill Conlon, so he decided not to talk to any of us. <laughs> <laughs> you know whatever. Whatever. I mean, he was. Uh, I'll tell you. I got to tell you. On all those years there, as a, as a writer, if you went out to the Phillies game, you were assigned to go to the Phillies game, and it was a Carlton game. You went out there with two two emotions. Number one, 
you know, I know I'm going to go see a great game pitched because he, that's all he pitched. But the other part of it was as a writer, God, is today the day he's going to pitch the no-hitter? You know, and I'm going to be covering a game, and he's going to pitch a no-hitter, and it's going to be the pitcher who won't talk. Right, Tim McCarver. And that was it. That, right. that, that was our fallback position. I mean, everybody right, in the press go, box. Let's go that, talk to the man who saw it best. That's what we. That's that's what that we all used to just. We, we were view through, right. View through the mask. We saw the. Uh, I mean, we, we all felt it was inevitable that Lefty was going to pitch a no hitter. And okay, how are we going to handle this when he pitches the no hitter and he refuses to talk? And we all said, well, you know, McCarver's if McCarver's catching. We got no problems. McCarver will talk go. for us. That's and right. you know what? As great as he was, he never pitched a no hitter. Yeah, six, that's hard to believe. He had six. All those starts, all those deep starts. He had six one-hitters, but he never pitched a no-hitter. Amazing. 215-592-9494. Ray Dinger, Glenn Mack. Now we are looking forward to talking to Derek Bodner at noon, sharing your excitement over last night's James Harden debut with the Sixers right here on 94 WIP. And if you're a Philly sports fan, then you need to check out my friends at Shy Vintage Sports. They're your home for throwback sports apparel in Philadelphia. Locally owned, Scheib carries name brands as well as original designs by Philadelphia artists. So we're talking throwbacks today. We're talking about Steve Carlton. We're talking about the vet. Talking about Barry Foote even. So the next time you're thinking old school and you think about some new, yeah, and you think you need some new gear for a game or you're looking for that perfect gift, head over to Scheib Vintage Sports. Visit them at 13th and Walnut in Center City or go online to ScheibSports.com. You tell them that Ray sent you and you'll get 15% off. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Ray Danger, Glenn Mack, now 94 WIP. Kevin in Brick wants to talk about the Sixers. Hey, Kev. Glenn and Ray. Yep. Glenn and Ray. Hey, listen, whether I'm mowing the lawn in the summer or pre-gaming for an Eagles game on a Sunday, I always always look forward to listening to Glenn and Ray on the weekend. Love you guys. And um, Thank you, Kev. Ray and Ray. My wife and I saw Tommy and me down in Delaware last year. Ah. I hope you're bring it. I hope you're bring it back because I'm going to bring my father-in-law up from Florida because he he grew <laughs> up in that age. He he would love to he, see it. Yeah, he would love it. Back. He he would he would absolutely love. It. Well, uh, <laughs> we're 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 in negotiations with a couple of theaters now uh, to try and bring it back. And um, when we when we iron it all out and we've got everything organized and arranged, I will be talking about it. So maybe you maybe you and your and your father-in-law be a, get a chance to see it. I would love it. I would love it. It, it was – my wife didn't expect what she ex- expected because she was in tears. And yep. that's, the, <laughs> that's – yep. I mean, My wife it, loved it too, and my wife couldn't name 10 players in the NFL. What is your uh, <laughs> Sixers point, uh, Kevin? So here's the deal. Um, first of all, 
Carlson is a machine. <laughs> Let's all agree on that. So my Sixers and, – and Ray and Glenn, can you let me ask Ray one question before you cut me off? But Go ahead. So I want to ask Ray one question about the Eagles before my Sixers point. Sure. Ray, you're, you're a lifelong Eagles fan. The Eagles Encyclopedia. I have it on my bookshelf. I'm staring at it right now. Um, great book. I, you have said before, you don't have a disdain for the Cowboys like we Eagles fans do. We hate them. We hate them. And you're like, you're like, you say, I, I, I don't really feel that way. How did you grow up as an Eagles fan and not hate the Cowboys? Uh, at the time that I was an Eagles fan, the Cowboys were kind of irrelevant. You know, when I was, uh-huh. when I was just a kid going to the games, the Cowboys were an expansion team. They, they, weren't, they weren't good enough to hate. You know, they were a team that the Eagles kind of just pushed around. I mean, I didn't – towards the end when, you know, when uh, Leroy Jordan, you know, knocked out Timmy Brown's teeth, you know, I, I mean, I, 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 began to, I began to turn a little bit then. But the whole America's team thing, all that stuff came later. Okay. All right. Um, okay, thank you. Yeah, so my Sixers point. So the Sixers, other than the Dr. J years and the Iverson years, have, they've always been like my fourth team. Like mm-hmm. They're like the afterthought. And I haven't watched a full Sixers game in probably five or six years, maybe like Ben Simmons' rookie year because it was all this fuss about him and I watched the game you know, maybe on Christmas Day. And since then, with the you know the whole process thing and all that stuff, I could care less about the Sixers. Last night, I watched my first full Sixers game in years. Yeah. Well, you weren't alone, of- and thanks for the call. I mean, it, it was riveting. As I said, they they I looked it up today. They have the fifth highest local TV rankings of any team in the league, right? Which about what you'd expect that yeah that no that's pretty good it's about yeah, yeah it's about what i would expect I, yeah. I i wonder how low it fell i wonder how low it fell during the process years i don't i can guarantee you not as low as the flyers right now no 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 probably not. imagine what those i don't even know if those there's a certain thing where if you don't get enough people watching the ratings don't even register yeah that just comes up as an asterisk right i think the flyers are probably <laughs> they the are asterisk, asterisk team yeah yeah i think you're right um but I, I, they're, they're averaging a 2.7 rating, which is better than it sounds. And I'm telling you, yesterday it had to be above a 10. Oh, but I, it was appointment TV last yeah, night. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. No doubt. And will be. And will be. Oh, man, Wednesday's just going to be tremendous. It's going to be fun. And tomorrow, and, you know, tomorrow they play in the tomorrow. garden against the Knicks. Yeah. Which, uh, I mean, you know, and that'll, they'll put on a show. Yep. Bob in Springfield wants to talk about the, the uh, NFL draft. Hey, Bob. Hey, guys. Uh, good morning. Um, always, always my honor um, to talk well, to you, Joe. Um, I before I have a couple draft things for Ray, but you know, one thing that people, I think Steve Carlton was like the greatest Philadelphia athlete ever. And the one fact about '72, he won 27 games. We know for a team that won 59, he. He had 30 complete games. Right, yeah. So it means he didn't even, you know, he lost three of his games, but he finished them. And that 15th, after that 15th game, it was against Atlanta, and they lost in the 12th inning when Denny Doyle hit a single off him, <laughs> and they lost 2-1. to one. And, wow. 
twelfth inning, he was still there. That's that's yeah. pretty good memory by you. Yeah. What's yeah, your draft now, point? Well, I want to know from Ray uh, two things. First of all, will we really take a linebacker in the first round? And <laughs> I two, hope so. and two, why is Devin Lloyd's stock soaring? Why is it soaring? Yeah, is it soaring? Oh, um, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm hearing a lot about him. Uh, the more people see him, I mean, he played at Utah. So you know, they don't get a whole lot of exposure. So people hadn't seen a whole lot of him during the season. Now that they're going back and looking at the tape, they begin to realize what a good player he is. So that's why his stock is going up. He's a really good player. I mean, he's a linebacker, 6'3", 230, you know, runs a 4'7". I mean, he will probably, he'll probably knock him dead at the combine, would be my guess. And it's, then it's, it really comes down to a question of if you're looking for a linebacker and you've got a choice between him and the Kobe Dean, the linebacker from Georgia, who's got a little bit more of a rep because he played for a bigger team and won a national championship, you know, which guy do you like? But, you know, that's, that, that's why Devin Lloyd's stock is rising. People are now finally getting a chance to watch him, and he is. He's a really, really good player. Speaking of the draft, speaking of the combine, uh, the interest is always on the quarterbacks, and there's one who's got a little bit of a medical issue. We want to discuss it with our doctor from Cooper Bone and Joint, Dr. Mark Pollard, is with us. Doc, how are you today? I'm doing very well. Hope you guys are doing well also. Oh, absolutely. Ray, I turn it over to you for some quarterback questions. Yeah, doctor, I don't, um, I don't know that you were spending your New Year's Day watching the Sugar Bowl. Um, it was uh, – it was Ole Miss against Baylor. You probably had better things to do. But in, in that game, uh, Matt Corral, the, uh, the Ole Miss quarterback, uh, tried to break out of the pocket, got tackled. His leg got tangled up underneath him. He fell really badly and his, sprained his ankle. And when he went down, uh, it looked really bad. I mean, you know, when you saw the replays, it looked really bad. And he went off the field in a cart, and he came back on the sidelines. He was on crutches. Uh, he left the stadium on crutches. And there was a, a, a lot of concern about how bad this injury is and how it was going to affect him because he had already decided he was coming out and he was going to be in the NFL draft this year. So it uh, turns out that they'd MRI him. Uh, turns out nothing's broken, uh, but it's a very bad sprain. Uh, and uh, they, didn't, they didn't do surgery, uh, but it's just been a rehab since then. So I guess what I'm, what I'm asking you is when you have that kind of an injury, and it's January 1st, now you're coming up. Now we're coming up on the combine when Matt Corral's going to have to go to the combine and work out for the scouts. Um, how much? How limited will he be? And is the likelihood that coming off a what was a severe sprain, not surgical, but but a bad sprain, um, how how much will he be able to do? And would you expect him probably to just skip all the drills and maybe just do the interviews? Well, you know, the, the million-dollar question is, you know, how severe the sprain was. Obviously, it was bad enough that uh, he wasn't able to return to the game. And, you know, they kept him on crutches, and he's been limited. And I guess we're coming up on, uh, what, two months, I think, right. or two months since the injury. Um, and so, you know, the key thing, and uh, I'll admit, I'll tip my uh, tip my hand here, that I, I did miss the game, unfortunately. So, ah. um, you know, clearly, like, you know, we know that the high ankle sprains, you know, kind of the external rotation type injuries tend to take longer to heal than, you know, kind of the standard rolling your ankle type sprains. Um, and so I think, you know, that, that factor would probably be one of the keys to kind of, uh, you know, trying, trying to prognosticate and how much, you know, he's going to be able to do. Um, you know, my sense would be that if, you know, if he is able to do the drills and, and things like that. And obviously, you know, he's been doing intense rehab and, you know, they've been evaluating whether he can do the drills. So if he's able to do them, I would, you know, assume that he's going to try to do them 
But if he's limited, you know, you know, the gamesmanship of the draft, he doesn't want to let on that he's not able to do that. So, um, again, you know, it, with, without the information, it's so difficult to make these uh, predictions. Right. Yeah. He's going to. Uh, uh, yeah. There's no. You're not compelled to do the drills. I mean, if you go, you you can just go to the combine, get weighed and measured, and sit down and talk to the team representatives and do all that kind of stuff. There's not, nobody says that you have to go on the field and and run the drills or do the vertical jump or run the forty. That's really kind of up to you. Um, but you know, he's in that very fluid area in this draft where. There's a lot of quarterbacks that are kind of viewed the same way. And if he went down to the combine and if he went to Indianapolis and had a big had a big combine, I mean, it would help him a lot. But if he went there and tried to gut it out on a bad ankle, it would certainly hurt him. So that's why a lot of people thought he was crazy for even playing in the bowl game. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's I mean, obviously it's not common, but people have you know been injured at the combine. And so part of it would probably depend on his body of work. I mean, it probably helps that he was, you know, playing, uh, you know, with Mississippi, you know, so the games are televised. So there should be a lot of tape as far as what he's done. So, you know, if he feels comfortable and confident with the body of work he has out there, maybe he would have less pressure to uh, try to, you know, go out and prove himself. Whereas if he feels maybe he hasn't represented himself as well as he could have, he would feel compelled to try to do that and, you know, maybe take a chance. Uh, Dr. Mark Pollard, it is always a pleasure. We hope you have a marvelous weekend. Thanks so much for joining us. All right, thanks. You guys do. Right. You too. All right, be well. Take care. Yeah, Corral's a good player. I think he's probably – I have him as my number two quarterback out of this bunch. It's really going to kind of come down – he's going to be a first-round pick, Glenn, whether he yeah, works yeah. Whether he works out at Quarterbacks, are, you know they're all going to – wherever they are projected now, they'll go five picks earlier. Yeah, right? but one of the real interesting questions, and I'll get into this a little bit more tomorrow, is you know, I think Kenny Pickett's going to be the first one. Who's going to be the second one? Because there's a lot of people that uh, – this kid, Malik Willis, from Liberty. He's a small college player. There's a tremendous amount of excitement about him. He and Corral are kind of viewed as kind of equals, and it'll be interesting to see which one of them comes off the board first because one of them is, if, you know, because he comes from such a small school, is really more of a projection, whereas Corral, the only, the only question on him really is the injury, which it doesn't seem to be as bad as people thought it was at first. 215-592-9494. He's Ray Dinger. I'm Glenn Mack. Now, coming up, we're going to talk to Derek Bodner, kind of get his take on uh, this new-look Sixers. Derek's got the thing going, the Daily Six, his uh, newsletter about the Sixers. Great stuff. Ray and Glenn on 94 WIP. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. 
Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts.